Welcome to Manager Tools. Today's show, Small Company Systems, The Rule of 150, Part 2 of 2. In today's show, we conclude our conversation on The Rule of 150, how it affects the growth of small companies and organizations, and how to address it. Here we go. So let's talk about that a little bit. How does Dunbar's number or the rule 150 affect small organizations and their growth? Okay, simple enough. As companies and as organizations grow, internal responsibilities grow. This is, I, I love making this argument because every time I say it on air, people write me and say, yeah, I didn't even think about it, but, it, but it's true. If you have one employee in your company, <laughs> There are no relationships to worry about. It's one to the zeroth power, right? There are no relationships. With a second employee, there is only one relationship. So you double in size and you only add one relationship. But when you add a third employee, you go from one relationship to three relationships. In other words, you've tripled the number of relationships. And when you go to four employees, you have one more employee, you double then again the number of relationships. And so now you have six relationships, okay? And by the way, this is why I say that going from two children to three children in the household is much harder than going from one to two. It's because it's not because the number of people in the house or kids, it's the number of relationships between the kids that matters. Hmm. I can vouch for that. Yeah. Um, And then they have a fourth kid and see how that works. Yeah, good. Yeah. Well, as long as she's the princess, it's fine. It's, there you go. Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> right. Um, the, the, the chain of command is clear and you're at the bottom, right? <laughs> Very clear. Very clear. Yeah. So look, when internal responsibilities grow in an organization, external responsibilities suffer. That's just the, the nature of things, right? Um, yeah, you've gotten better at some of the external stuff, but you suddenly have a lot more internal stuff as you add people and you're not good. All, you're not that much better all of a sudden at all the external stuff. It's not like your sales manager will suddenly feel like she's not doing her job as she adds more people to her team. As as things get rough during the growth, she's absolutely going to feel she is doing her job, even as sales slow, because now her job includes managing other salespeople and adjudicating with shipping and operations and finance and accounts receivable and billing and marketing and so on. And look, it's not that your shipping manager is going to feel he's suddenly failing. Um, you know, it's great if, if you have clear measures set out for him, right? So he'll know I'm succeeding or I'm not. But even if he's not meeting his on-time ratio, he's going to have a darn good reason for you. You know, the sales ma- he's going to say the sales manager was down here for an hour this morning trying to get me to move up a shipment for next week. And it makes sense to the sales manager and it makes sense to the operations manager to argue different points of view. When a year ago, there was no reason, you were just happy to ship anything. And the shipping guy was like, sure, I'll be happy to ship. We don't have to rush anything. You know, the moment we get an order, we ship. Yeah, and then all that turmoil, and you know, remember, that's that's what you wanted. You got what you wanted. You wanted growth. Well, (laughs) welcome to growth. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So look, small company growth leads us inevitably to the discussion of the phrase, entrepreneurs don't scale, right? Oh, good. Get get all our entrepreneur friends mad at us. Yeah, you know, I, I, yeah, um, but we don't we don't mean that. I, I, there there is a 
mistaken, there's a misapprehension about this phrase. It'd be helpful to explain it. And it's classic small company stuff. We need to talk about it. It affects management of small companies. Okay. It's not an attack to, to, to say entrepreneurs don't scale. It's a fact. It's not intended to be derogatory. It's just a reminder that birth is different than growth. It's a way of saying that creating a product is different than shipping lots of it or starting a company. The, the things you need to do to start a company are different than the things you need to do to grow a company or to maintain a company. It's a way of saying that man, it was a way of saying that managing a company of three people is three times harder than managing a company of two people. And it always amazes me the math that you add another person from two to three, you get 50% personnel cost growth and you get 300% communication cost growth. And if you're not thinking about communicating effectively, your communication is going to suffer. It's going to make problems. So it, it, it simply means it's a different thing to grow a company than to start one. What, what we're seeing by entrepreneurs don't scale, what people mean when they say that is, if you want to stay an entrepreneur, you won't be able to grow your company because entrepreneurs consider themselves consider their job to be the starting and, and the formulation of great ideas that serve customers. And that's great, but that's not the only thing it takes to grow a company because of the human behavior involved and the inefficiencies and the friction um, that happens when you start to get the specialization of labor that organizations allow you to do to, to multiply the, 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 uh, productivity of, of humans um, working together. And so if you stay in your heart and your mind and your behaviors, an entrepreneur, you have a tendency, many entrepreneurs kill their companies because they stay being an entrepreneur when in fact what the company needs is a professional manager. Now look, we're not suggesting you fly, you parachute some CEO, retired CEO in there who used to run a billion dollar company to run your 50 person company. We're not suggesting that. In fact, I don't know a single entrepreneur who isn't intellectually smart enough to be good enough to become a, a good manager. It's harder to come up with good product ideas and to serve customers than it is to manage because management is not complex. It's just a mindset to change from being a product person to being a manager person. It's a different set of behaviors. And again, it doesn't require intellectual capacity that's at all daunting. But the smarts that gave you the great idea or the relationship that gave you the first sale are enough to prove that you can understand management, the question is, can you change your behavior? And some do and some don't. It's not a failure if you can't grow your business. What it says is you may be an entrepreneur and that's all you want to do. If you want to grow your business, you can think of yourself as an entrepreneur, but you must behave like a manager. You can probably manage up to about 20 to 30 people, maybe even for some of you up to 50 people without having any natural managerial ability. Okay. But if you get above 100, you're getting to the point where you have to change how you behave. Your world is going to start changing and you're going to have to change your behavior because the world of your company is changing. And that's what happens when external change happens or internal change happens. You adjust and create a new reality. And entrepreneurs who are running two, 300 person organizations and don't have managers and say, I'm an entrepreneur, that's all I want to do, are essentially ignoring that their environment has changed and different environments require different behavior responses. Yeah. Okay. So we got a lot of entrepreneurs, small organizations, small companies 
leaders of those as clients and a lot of those and a lot of folks are listening to our podcast today. So rule 150, got it. Makes sense. How do I know when I'm starting to to suffer? What are some of the signs I can look for? Um, okay, there are no definitive rules, but there are some things to look and to listen for. The first one is growth slows. And look, there are many other possible reasons for this. And maybe at, at any given time, if you only have 10 people, we're not suggesting it's Dunbar. It's not really 150. But at times, there are other things that are more important than the rule of 150 in terms of slow growth. But if you're trying to grow, you're going to notice when growth slows. And we recommend you include in your first three or four questions you ask, hey, how many people do we have? And if you're about 100, you know, start thinking that the rule of 150 may be touching you. That's the first one. Okay. Uh, the second one is conflict increases notably. Well, there's always conflict, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. The definition of two of conflict is two human beings in the same Aronda small. You know, I mean, it's it's it, you just put two people together and you have conflict. But we're talking about a noteworthy increase in either the frequency or the intensity of conflict that takes the founder or other senior leaders away from their focus. Now, again, to your point, we, we know there was conflict when you had two employees and when you had 10 and when you had 15. We're telling you, you might notice more and sharper conflicts when you get start getting near 150. And if you're around 100 and suddenly conflict seems to be spiking, the number of it or the intensity of it, you might think, you know what, maybe we're to the point now where we need to start thinking about management as opposed to just, uh, you know, products and customers. And, and by the way, we're not suggesting that thinking about management is a, is a terribly noble thing. We don't think that now you're going to become a manager. We don't care. We don't secretly want you to be a manager. We want your company to grow. We want your products to flourish. We want you to benefit. We want the world to be a better place. And people won't buy your stuff unless they believe giving you money for your stuff makes the world in some fashion a better place. Yeah, and, and we want to grow even if it means you have to become a manager. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's exactly what we're saying. We don't we don't need anybody to become a manager, but we expect those people who have managerial responsibilities to engage in them professionally. And when you get to 100, 150, 200, that's when you start essentially assuming some form of manager responsibility. And the problems you get with conflict and tension are essentially signs of your abdication of that responsibility. Now, you say to yourself, well, how can I abdicate something that I didn't have to begin with? Well, actually, you did when you started adding people. There was an assumption of some sort of managerial oversight, but you probably haven't been behaving professionally enough around all of them yet. And so it's fine. You're not a bad person. You're not ineffective. You're just discovering that it takes a different set of skills to go to the next level. Good. What else? What other signs? Yeah, we already mentioned this one. Clicks, right? Clicks start forming. This this happens to be our favorite, right? It's Yeah, certainly my favorite. I, I like starting clicks. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's almost a perfect indicator when clicks start forming that the size of the business has gotten too big for at least somebody in the business. You know, that's what happens when the tribal group somebody is in gets too big. They then scope way down and associate with a smaller group that they can get their arms and, if you'll pardon the expression, their forebrains around. Surely this, the click thing, is closely related to the conflict increasing issue. But sometimes you see the clicks and not the conflict. I remember a case where a small firm, a co-founder, was surprised to find that the warehouse guys in his in his facility were having their own little party late one afternoon and they hadn't invited anybody else. And basically there had been years of company-wide parties and they had gone away from it because they had been busy and so on. 
And then the, the operations guys out on the, you know, on the uh, warehouse decided, well, we'll just have our own little party. And they didn't invite anybody else. And, you know, there's your click. And they didn't mean anything by it. But there it is. Those are people trying to get together and bond with one another when they don't feel connected to the larger organization. Yeah, I'm looking forward. We're a small company, but when we hire our first technology guy, he and yeah. I, we're having our own little click. Let me tell you, we're starting a technology click. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Nothing's impossible for the click that doesn't have to do it himself. There you go. We, we were at a client recently. Um, it's really kind of interesting because the, the president said, and this is one of our next things to look, at, look for, he said he's walking through the, the company, went into the, uh, the mailroom, and there was somebody there that he did not know. It had never happened to him before. And guess what? Yeah. You know, um, guess what? 125 people. <laughs> yeah. Anecdotal evidence. That's one of those anecdotal moments that really sharpens the attention, right? I didn't even know that guy worked here, right? Uh, the, the the boss suddenly realizes that little small company we all love doesn't exist anymore, right? Exactly. The hard part for us is saying, here's how to fix it without saying, hey, this is what you wanted and you probably never realized you couldn't have growth and keep your small company feel. And basically the rule of 150 proves the adage for entrepreneurs that you can't eat your growth cake and have your small company cake too. Growth essentially eliminates the small company feel. It's, it's, it's too bad, but it, it's true. And I think a lot of companies spend a lot of energy trying to maintain that small company feel. And I would argue that to some degree, there's nothing wrong with communicating. There's nothing wrong with encouraging it, but forcing it or, or getting frustrated that it doesn't stay the way you wanted it. It's far better to let it go and recognize that's a losing battle and invest in your managers rather than in, we're all one big happy family here. Don't you get it? Yeah. Yeah. There are a couple other things too. Um, you're in a meeting and you, if you hear somebody say, I don't know so-and-so all that well, but I'll send them an email, right? Oh, geez. Sounds pretty bad, yeah. but <laughs> yeah. First time you hear that at a small, a big company, it's fine, right? That's normal. And if you've been at a big company, you might even notice that that's that very distinct. But it is distinct at a small company, and you should mark the moment when it happens. And look, you know, from a founder's perspective, you, you don't you don't have to look for external events to prove it. You can just say to yourself, "I don't feel I have my arms around everybody around here anymore," right? We mean that in a people sense. We, we know there are times when founders or leaders of smaller firms feel like they're losing control, maybe of operations or sales or marketing, right? But when you feel that, quote, we're getting so big, unquote, that may be a sign that you're nearing your upper limit. Uh, and, and your upper limit as the founder really does matter. Look, don't try to impress people with your ability to grow to 250 before you start slowing or you start putting in place systems. Having a bigger forebrain doesn't get you a prize. You're going to work harder on those things when you go past 100, 150, 175, 200. And the harder you work on that, the less time you're spending on customers, the less time you're spending on developing your people, the less time you're spending on products or, or, or new distribution channels or, or new ideas or new marketing for that matter. So recognize your limits and put your attention to solving the problem into managerial growth rather than just the hard work of founder communications, for instance. Yeah, good. Now, we've said this a couple times, right? But clearly, we want to beat this rule. The rule 150 can't govern the, our ability to grow as an organization. And so we've said a couple times, it means 
you need to train your managers. Yeah. And right. It's easy for us to say that because we believe that effective managers are the solution to what ails most organizations, but, but it really is the only way around this particular problem. And again, we're going to say it again. We want you to grow. Slowing growth is not good. The rule of 150 isn't a brick wall to your growth. It's just a phenomenon that'll make your growth harder. It'll create pain and suffering. It's nothing that can't be overcome and, and really, frankly, overcome easily if you think about it in the right way. The mistake that so many small organizations make regarding the Rule 150, though, is not seeing the various warning signs as part of the larger systemic problem around tribal barriers, right? Tribal size, right? In our experience, what happens is the system, the symptoms mount and more and more leadership time is spent trying to solve each individual incident, particularly in the case of a founder who feels closely connected to all of his employees because, quote, we're all like a big happy family here, right? And the reason they do that is it's not a symptom, but it's rather a problem in and of itself. And if you're an energetic, smart founder and you've got it hard work and, and so on, and you think management is a necessary evil, maybe you left a big company because you didn't like management, then you're likely to succumb to that idea that I can solve these problems one at a time. And, and look, we, we don't, we're not going to blame you for not liking management and leaving the big company. We will say to you, if you don't recognize that management development is the solution to this problem, you're going to waste a lot of your energy solving individual problems that are in fact caused by the same thing. And you could touch a different lever and get a lot better results, a lot better return on your investment of time and energy. Okay. So look, you see the signs and you think, okay, I got it. This is that 150 thing. Those guys were talking about a couple of years ago. I need to start training my managers. Um, You'd be right. Yes. And the answer is the question becomes on what? What do I train them, train them on? And, and we would say this, start with this cast. The cast is free, right? Have them listen to this cast. Teach your managers what is happening to your firm. Help them learn what you know, that the company isn't falling apart. It isn't all of a sudden full of people who don't get it. This is not an insurmountable problem. Then tell them the rule of 150 is a blessing because in a sense... It's a built-in reminder that as firms grow, the need for professional management practice grows along with it. The rule says you won't be able to get by anymore with lots of energy and seat-of-the-pants work. It's always funny. People want, it, want their company to be thought of as a big company, and they want to do it by the seat of the pants. But then when they find out some big company is doing something by the seat of the pants, they say, my God, how could they possibly? Aren't they ethical up there? Well, yeah, they are. They're just, it's hard sometimes to, to get big and to stay big. It's going to take folks seeing themselves as managers first, as opposed to salespeople first. And it's going to take everybody working harder to communicate with their teams. Managers are going to have to become the connection that everybody has with the company, rather than everyone having that connection naturally. Okay? So you train them on the rule of 150, and then you train your managers to start communicating regularly through one-on-ones. Right? And we have podcasts on how to do one-on-ones. It's basically a half hour once a week with every one of your directs, okay? The rule basically says that relationships with the whole organization are breaking down and we need to recreate strong relationships in smaller groups. The only foolproof way that Mike and I know of for managers to create relationships is to practice one-on-ones. Now, we're not saying there aren't other ways, but this is the only way we know that works for everybody every single time. Now, your firm may be different, and you may engage in different behaviors, but hold your managers accountable for relationship-building behaviors that you can measure. 
And if you don't have one of those in the tip of your tongue, don't invent it because you're probably not a managerial thinker. Use ours and then modify the one-on-one so that it works for your organization. Okay. So, and I mentioned one on make your one-on-ones measurable. Consider it this way. You decide you don't have to train your managers. Rather, you just say, hey, we need to know our folks. What's going to happen, what's likely going to happen in this situation is the majority of your managers will say to yourself, will say to themselves, I already know my people. I hired them. I built this team carefully, blah, 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 blah. They won't change your behavior. That won't work. Your problem won't be solved and you'll be in the same mess you were before. And so we recommend you engage in company-wide, measurable, repeatable, trainable behaviors. So in a small company, you do this and people are going to perceive this as micromanagement. It's not micromanagement, but that's what they're going to say. And frankly, it's just the maturation process that your leaders are going to have to undergo. And it is a little bit hard to change your behavior when you're used to being buddy-buddies with your folks, but now you're the manager. But it's not as if you have to suddenly become a completely different person. In fact, when we come to our conferences, we tell people, we don't want you to be a manager. We want you to be yourself and want you to do management things. Yeah, and it's hard, right? It's hard. But, you know, getting to the point you are now, getting through all this growth, that wasn't particularly easy either. Yeah, you're right. Good point. Yeah. It's a different kind of hard, but if you've built your company to 100, 150 people, hard should be like, yeah, okay, it's hard. Yeah, well, what else is new? Right, right. And, and look, we said it before in the beginning, continuing growth gets harder, not easier over time. 10% growth over time means more and more new revenue every year. So one-on-ones, definitely. And then finally, train your managers to communicate with one another through regular staff meetings. Um, we've got a podcast on staff meetings. Again, that one's free. Staff meetings are time where managers can let the leadership know how things are going and what problems are starting to bubble up. And, and you don't even have to do that terribly well, but you can measure, are the managers doing them? And here's our agenda. And periodically, if you're the founder, go sit in on one. And you might say to yourself, well, I'd rather spend more time with products. And okay, that's fine. But a little bit of time on it just to touch base and to see how things are going. Uh, we'd also recommend skip level meetings as well, which if you don't know what that is, we've got a podcast called Skip Levels. We encourage you to listen to it. And just these few things, educating your folks, training your folks on the rule of 150, implementing one-on-ones and measuring them, and then putting in place staff meetings will give you some of the organizational managerial infrastructure to allow you to overcome some of the conflict, some of the inefficiency that comes out of that tribal group size, the rule of 150. Yeah. It's not everything. There's plenty of other things over time we'd recommend as well, but if you're not doing anything else, this is where to start. If you don't yeah. do this, and it, and it it sounds pretty simple, right? It is very simple compared to getting your your organization from one to 150. So yes. don't make this hard. It's really super simple for you. You've made a, a lifetime achievement award type of thing. Yeah, this is this cast in a way is a tip of the hat to you. If you're faced with this problem, it's like literally having discovering that a gold medal weighs more than a bronze or a silver one around your neck. It does. And you're to be commended for the gold medal. And we're not going to complain about the weight of the medal around your neck. There are ways to address it. And yeah, this is a tip of the hat to you. Well done. And when you come to this problem, don't let it eat you up. Recognize there's another way around it. And we recommend managerial training is the way to beat the rule. Yeah, exactly. Thanks, partner. All right, my friend. We'll, uh, we'll see you next week, I hope. Okay. <laughs> All right. So long. Thanks, everyone. That's it for this week. We'll see you all again next week. Have a great one. So long.